Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining us at the Prayer Culture Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Chad Clarkson with the Houston Church Planning Network. Uh, he's going to be talking a lot about why it's important to build a culture of prayer in your DNA, especially from the beginning, if you're part of a church startup, a smaller church, um, even a bigger church. Um, so we're going to talk about, about that, as well as the month in prayer of fasting in February that we do um, as a city in Houston to really just see what the Lord wants to do and how the Lord has impacted the culture through that. So make sure to check it out. This is the Prayer Culture Podcast, where we talk about building prayer into the lives of Bible-centric churches and individuals. I'm your host, Michael Green. I have a background in missions to the Islamic world, as well as being the founding member of Curamore, a ministry that is dedicated to developing a deep culture of prayer within local churches and communities. My co-host, Patrick Rowe, is a board member of Curamore, as well as being a longtime church planner in the greater Houston area and Thailand. This is the Prayer Culture Podcast. the Prayer Culture Podcast is a ministry of two or more, which is a crowdfunded ministry. So if you enjoy this content, please check out our website and giving page listed in the description. Also, when you have a second, hit the like and subscribe button. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prayer Culture Podcast. You're pod so chat. good at this. I'm so good at the it. Pod the pod chat. chat. The pod chat. That's what it's called today. <laughs> the pod chat. The pod chat. <laughs> Uh, okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Paraculture Podcast today. Uh, we've got a very special guest. I'm going to let Patrick introduce him. So Yeah, Chad Clarkson here with us today from HCPN, Houston Church Planner Network. Glad you're here, man. Man, great to be here with you guys. Appreciate yeah. the invite. Yeah, you're here because we love you. We love your ministry, what you've been working on real hard in Houston for a lot of years. A lot of respect for you. Uh, and we know that, you know, your views on prayer and how... Prayer culture is built into churches mm -hmm. and church planting. Uh, that's been super important to you, and mm -hmm. and you've especially I would I would say the last couple of years you guys have been working really hard mm -hmm. on this exact issue. So really glad you're here for that. So if you would just kind of just for listeners, if you would just kind of you know what's your prayer journey? Mm -hmm. How did this become so important to you? If that if that ends up getting into your ministry and that yeah. kind of stuff, that's okay. all great. Well, and first, can you say what HCPN is so people know what that is, and go. then then tell us your prayer journey? Yeah, HCPN, uh, the name of it's the Houston Church Planning Network. So something we started oh, back in two thousand end of two thousand nine, probably early two thousand ten, and started to kind of begin to get some legs and uh, a little bit of an establishment of an organization. And it wasn't really we had like, hey, here's a creative plan. Here's our strategic plan of the Houston Church Planning Network. It was really about, all right, how do we be about, how can we be about Houston? Mm. Looking at that time as a city, about six million. Now it's, you know, over seven million. How are we about church planting? You know, seeing that as our strategy to see Houston impacted with the gospel. And then really a network. And we used even the term at that time, a network of networks. But how do we see multiple groups that are working together uh, to plant churches across the city? So that's been our dream. That's what we've been after really the last, you know, 12 plus years and uh, seen some uh, God do s some cool stuff over that time. And yeah. uh, like Patrick said, I think even one of our uh, journeys right now has been prayer, mm -hmm. um, even going uh, deeper with that. So, yeah, um, yeah. for going back to your question, like my personal prayer journey, yeah. uh, you know, thinking about that, um, you know, it's probably as I think back, it's like now I lay me down to sleep you know, type, type thing. I mean, I remember being young, uh, growing up with Christian parents 
And even at night, you know, saying my prayers, it was a, it was a regular thing every night. I remember either praying with my mom or my dad, you know, we do that, recite that. Now I lay me down to sleep. But oh, really? We, like you really recited oh, yeah. that? Now prayer. I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die wow. before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Yeah, it was, it was a regular okay. thing. Um, and then almost like a time of intercession. It wasn't like oh, my parents said, okay, now you prayed that. Now dude, let's, let's intercede for people. It was like, all right, now I'm going to pray for mom and dad, brother okay. and sister, That's cool. grandparents, what other things going on. So I think that was the beginning, you know, of kind of learning how to pray a little bit. Um, and even the posture with that, like we would actually like kneel beside the bed. So it was like kind of a kneeling posture. Um, I grew up in a church uh, that had a prayer meeting. Um, so, I mean, and we were at the church, if my parents did, you know, I'm sure my parents would say, Hey, we didn't do a lot. Right. But the, the things they did, right. I, if the doors were open to the church, I was there. Yeah. Um, and tater, I don't hate tater, the, and tater tot casserole on Wednesday oh, night. Oh man, have a, had a few of those <laughs> green bean casseroles, all, yeah. all sorts of stuff. You name it. I will say it's nice yeah. to hear that chat. Cause I hear somebody say that negatively often, yeah. like, Oh, I, we were always, the doors were open. Right. We were always there. It's really nice to hear somebody. Well, and there were probably times that I that. thought like, why the heck again with church, Awana <laughs> camp, Sunday night, Wednesday. Night. I mean, yeah. literally it was three times a week. Um, but it's interesting now. I love the church, mm-hmm. which is interesting to think about. I mean, maybe there's people that had that experience that, now they're like, they hate the church. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't my experience. Had great, you know, relationships with people. And by no means was it a perfect church, but uh, they prayed. And so I remember sitting in a lot of prayer meetings, even though I may not have participated, you know, I'm a, probably a fly on the wall, even as a kid sitting in, in some of those. So that was probably early. So I was mm-hmm. around it. Um, you know, as far as learning to pray, I mean, those were some early experiences, you know, as a kid growing up. But I think about probably when I went to college. So the first couple years of Bible college, um, you know, I was in, in school and it wasn't like, oh, here, take this prayer class. It was really a guy that mentored me. He was actually mm. my basketball coach at college, college as well, named John Reeves. And that's, he probably, that's probably how, where I really learned to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, and what he would do, uh, he'd bring a group of guys together. And I remember several times praying in his office mm. and he kind of even had a pattern where, you know, he'd have us, it'd be like, say the three of us were praying and it'd be like, all right. It's my turn to pray the truth. The word, the line was pray the truth about yourself. Hmm. And so like we'd be, and again, here's a posture thing. We were often laying down, hmm. you know, laying out, laying down the floor and we'd be, you know, praying the truth about ourselves. And there's something powerful if I'm authentic, you know, and praying yeah. that and you guys are listening into that. So I'd pray and then a couple guys are pray, then praying for me. And then it kind of rotates. You're praying the truth about yourself. Then I'm praying for you. And I think hmm. it just created a level of, uh, learning to be authentic with God, yeah. you know, as far as uh, prayer goes. So I think those are some early, early times that I think about uh, that have still kind of impacted me now and even, you know, discipling or mentoring other people yeah. you know, and the importance of prayer. You know, as I've gotten older, you know, as far as journey, I mean, I think you just realize more and more the importance of prayer. Um, you know, it's probably moved from me to, uh, what's a good way to say, wanting praying for impact to praying towards more intimacy, that kind of a move from impact to intimacy where I remember like even, Hey, I want to, I want my life to be impactful. I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I want our ministry to be different, different. And now it's like, all right, I mean, I want those. It's not like I'm don't want those things, but it's a lot more probably related to already developing an intimate relationship with God. Am I like, is, do I want Jesus type thing versus just, you know, certain (laughs) results. so So that's probably been some of the the pattern and journey, you know, along the way a little bit. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
that's that's part of what we emphasize with two emphasize with two more is abiding prayer like hey uh, prayer is more than just asking for things. Yes. It's deep connection with the Lord. He wants to engage with you, right? Um, and as you're engaging with him that way, he's going to reveal to you, oh, here's the things that are really on my heart that I want you to really pray into, like the persistent widow. Like, yeah. We, yeah. you know, pray into this thing. Um, so I love that. So, Chad, tell us about the HCPN month of prayer and fasting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this is something we started eight years ago, and we've given a name to it now. We call it Awake in Houston. Um, and so, yeah, so for the last eight years, we just said, hey, we're going to have a, de- a designated season of prayer and prayer and fasting, uh, probably because, you know, a, a couple reasons. One, you know, if you, if you study, like, uh, revivals, if you study even church planning movements, I mean, what always seems to be at the impetus or the beginning or the genesis of those things our people are praying, you know, mm-hmm. people are praying together, you know, so we talk about, you know, where movement happens um, is kind of at the crossroads of Jeremiah Morris got this line from him. I think it's great. Uh, he's pastor at Seven Mile Road. He talks about it. movement happens at the crossroads of bold, unswerving gospel proclamation and corporate united urgent prayer. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how we've been thinking about it. And so kind of that urgency, what does it look like to pray together? you know, with the city and with other churches. And obviously every church is, you know, they have kind of their own prayer initiatives, but we kind of wanted to do something where we're saying, hey, we want to pray for a move of God in this city. So kind of over the last eight years, it's been kind of, Oh, probably threefold. One, it's kind of included an element of personal renewal. So mm-hmm. we use the word renewal in terms of all right, what God's doing in your own life, um, yeah. you know, as far as developing a relationship with him. And we've talked about revival, wanting to see revival. And for me, I know people use that word kind of in different ways, but right. revival is like a church thing for me, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of like living again. So, if, I mean, if you were never revived, you can't be revived type thing, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's like, all right, what does it look like the church to the church to be revived? Mm. You know, in the newness of the spirit and walking with the Lord, and, yeah. um, you know, things like that. And then praying for an awakening. Hopefully, revive as revival happenings happens, right. and we see like movement on kind of the the society or culture as a whole, and kind of use that word of awakening. So that's kind of why we call it awakening, waking Houston. Yeah, to kind of say, all right, God, we want to do something. We want to see you do something here in the city that can't be explained by you know, clever strategies or anything yeah. like that. But God, this is, this is your thing. So that's, so that's kind of what we, and we'll do a season of it. Um, you know, really for the last, uh, this will be our eighth year of doing it. So awesome. Wow. Do you feel like you've seen like success in that? Do you have any stories of where it's like impacted the culture? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I'm not, I'm like not going to say like, Oh yeah, here's what the mayor did because of Awake in Houston, <laughs> probably not that far. Um, but I think we've seen some cool things. And I think one of the things I've seen probably the increase of churches that are praying. Mm. Um, yeah. Even, even last year, there was a series of kind of prayer meetings during the Awake, actually, as we wrapped up Awake in Houston that were happening and was uh, kind of around the city the same day where, where churches were kind of gathering to pray together, which is a cool, cool result of that. Um, so I think some things have happened, even the, as I see more and more, um, I'm on a lot of church planting and past like different churches email blast kind of over the years yeah. working with church planters. So the number of them, especially kind of this season as the year starts that are focusing on like 30 days of prayer, 28 mm-hmm. days of prayer as the year starts, you know, has been encouraging to me and encouraging yeah. for the church. So, yeah, it's always I mean, not always, but it's been an important, I think, you know, initiative. I mean, calling it initiative now, but I mean, yeah, yeah important for us with HCPN. And I think it goes back 
we were talking before we got on the air, but just kind of global, you know, what, you know, as we've had experience in the global church. And for me, I think when we started what now we call Awake in Houston, it really came out of trips to Cuba. And so been mm. down and kind of with the, with the church in Cuba a lot and just impacted about the way they pray. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking to planters, you know, talking to a couple guys who were planting a church and we were talking about like, Hey, what's prayer look like for you? And they go, Oh, we'll gather a couple hours, you know, in the, in, you know, in the morning we'll pray underneath this tree. And I'm like, Oh great. What day of the month do you do that? And they're like, no, we do that every day. Yeah. You know, we're gathering every day to pray for a couple <laughs> hours. And it's like, okay, uh, I get it. And then some of our partners down there in Cuba actually started a 50 days of prayer. This is actually where we first got the idea. Um, kind of for their country because they wanted to see movement of God. And so they would do it from Easter to Pentecost, wow. those seven weeks, 50 days. Um, I, don't, I don't remember what they called it, but it was really 50 days of prayer for our nation. Wow. And, you know, kind of I love how it leads from the resurrection up to really kind of looking at the birth of the church with Pentecost, yeah. so that season. So I thought, man, that's great as you think about church planting, yeah. you know, because that's what we yeah. want to see. We want to see God do something. So that's kind of where it got its beginnings. And then over time, now this month, we've kind of, you know, changed the season over there. And so this month, it's the month of February. Um, for Awaken Houston. And so every year we have a little bit of different themes. So kind of our big canopy, we call it Awaken Houston, but then kind of different themes. And so this year it's February 1st to 28th. Um, we'll pray for those four weeks. And we've kind of, we've got an acrostic. We just spelled out Houston. Mm. Um, you know, again, we're not the most creative people in the world, <laughs> but we, so we, we have an acrostic. And so like each, we want, hey, if we can pray for these things um, each of the seven days. So the H is we want to pray for hot hearts and holiness. Mm. It's kind of our H. Again, it goes back to personal renewal, starting with mm. Jesus. Uh, o is we're praying for our churches. Again, it goes back to revival. Like, how are we seeing our churches uh, be, be revived? You were praying for unity, you know, talking, I mean, mm-hmm. going back to John 17. Uh, we want to see a unified church uh, here in Houston that is kind of moving the same direction. Yeah. Uh, S is, I think we call it a spirit's power. Yeah. You know, so obviously this is a, we want to see a God thing. Not, nothing we can strategize is praying yeah. for the Spirit's work. T is we're saying top five. So who are the people that you know that are far from God? Because we also want to have at that crossroads that kind of gospel proclamation mm-hmm. push. Um, so praying for the top five. The other O is our city, uh, praying for, you know, God to do something. And then N was new birth. So we want to see people uh, hopefully come to know Jesus, right? That's uh, kind of how we're praying. So, yeah. So if any, anybody, I know I feel like I've talked a while on the Awaken Houston stuff, no, you're but good. I mean, we want churches, individuals to join us. We do a daily devotional with that too, that we send out Awesome. So to kind of get people praying the same way, uh, just for kind of that season of prayer. So yeah. is there like a web link or something people can, yeah, it's Awaken in Houston. Uh, you yeah. can go to, I think we own the dot org and dot com, uh, domain names on Look top of you. that. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll, so you, uh, you should be able to go to either of those. Yeah. We'll drop that link on. in the comments. Okay. So you can check it out and uh, get connected. And so I'll just give you a little affirmation. I've been part of a church that did Awaken Houston last year. Oh, cool. And they're doing Awaken Houston again this year. And it was really valuable along with um, two or more helping them like get a vision for prayer to really just push prayers and emphasis in Mm -hmm. that body. Like, hey, we have to meet together. We have to be praying for these things if we want to see them happen. Yeah. And... um, and God's been doing just since then, Awaken Houston last year, God's been doing some like really cool supernatural mm-hmm. stuff, especially in the lives of lost people. Wow. Um, that we specifically prayed for at that church that are just coming to Christ the right and left. I mean, last night we baptized a former Muslim who, you know, the Lord uh, brought, you know, through mm-hmm. like dreams and words. Like it was crazy how wow. the Lord brought him. So that's all through prayer. And so, that's, uh, yeah. And those stories always don't get back to me. So it's great. Like, as I'm kind of goosebumps go. here thinking about it. So, 
Um, yes, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the thing I love about your emphasis, what the Lord's made important to you is, <clears throat> which you, you mentioned it just briefly, but not the reliance on strategy mm-hmm. to reach the city. or You know, we have all these goals. If we really stop and think about the things that are our goals, it's like, what are... Why would we ever do anything but pray? Yeah. <laughs> because this is stuff, impossible things, you know, things mm-hmm. that you can't just do. You can't change people's hearts. You can't convince people of what's true about spiritual things. Devote your life to God who became man and died for you 2,000 years ago. Like, <laughs> this is wild stuff. Yeah. And strategy just doesn't, strategy doesn't close the gap mm-hmm. there. So the reliance on the Lord in mm-hmm. prayer it just, it makes all the sense, you know, as a mission movement, a church planting movement, if prayer isn't at the heart of it, then you're just spinning your wheels. I hear you. You yeah. know, it, you can be very busy and you could put a lot of great stuff on your website, but the fruit is going to be lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- I mean, that's been, and we talked about prayer journey early. I think that's been part of my journey and discovery because naturally, like I love thinking strategy. Sure. So I love like, all right, right, let's put together a strategic plan. Like, what do we need to do? And I mean, so it's important, I think, you know, keep going back to the book of Acts, because even as you think of, you know, that Acts chapter one, right? Jesus, after the ascension, um, the disciples end up in the upper room and it's like, all right, Jesus has just laid out. All right, here's our strategy. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. I'm like, all right, we're going back to the upper room. Peter grabbed the whiteboard. Let's start putting a plan together, right? <laughs> right yeah. Let's get after this baby. Uh, we got work to do. And what they do? No, what did they went to prayer, right? right? They yeah, talked about right. being. Uh, went to prayer and then it talked about verse 14 uh, being united mm-hmm. really being all the men and women uh, together they were praying and so they're praying they're united and that's really what a, pr- a prelude to Acts chapter 2 or at mm-hmm. Pentecost um, so just kind of the reminder of like hey that's what that's what we need to do right so, yeah. that's where all yeah. the power comes from mm-hmm. so prayer uh, and even fasting why do you think they're essential to church planning efforts yeah great question um you know, and so if you read, David Garrison has a book called Church Planning Movements, and they've kind of studied church planning movements all over the year. And he says the number all over the world uh, in different seasons, and the number one characteristics is there's a, an extraordinary amount of prayer. Mm. Um, so the hope is like, we don't just look at that as like, oh, because that's number one on the list, we need to do it. Again, yeah. going back to the strategy yeah. thing. But how does it not only like a strategy, but also, also is it like a vitality thing for, mm. for us as people? Um, yeah. So that's kind of the heart behind it. And I think for church plants, like we talk a few things, like as we're training church planters, we talk about, you know, if it starts with you really as the, as the church yeah. planner. So if you're going to be, if your church is going to be a praying church, you have to be a praying church planner. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, there's no way around it because you can't, you can't take your people somewhere that you haven't, you really haven't yeah. gone. Uh, so we talk a lot about like, all right, what does that look like for you? Uh, being a person of prayer, making it a priority. I mean, you talked about, I mean, you've planted church, mm-hmm. so you know how busy it is, you know how yeah. much there is to do. Um, so we talk about the priority of prayer over the other important things that you need to do as a yeah. planter or, or current pastor. I mean, yeah. um, or anyone in ministry. I mean, there's stuff, you know, stuff to do all the time. So emphasizing that pr- that priority of prayer, I think it starts there. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's important uh, in church planting. Uh, I'd say another reason is, um, or another thing we encourage planters to do early is really developing like an intercessor team mm-hmm. um, from the beginning. Okay. Um, to just almost like, all right, you have that covering 
of people that are praying for you. So that's something we emphasize as you go out. Like, all right, here's an assignment. Fill out your Excel document, numbers document, whatever you're using. You know, create names of people that you're communicating with, how to pray for you. So we talk about our developing prayer partners, developing an intercessory team, and even having kind of that inner circle or two or three people that hey, I just left this meeting. I need you to pray right now, mm-hmm. you know, type thing. So kind of different levels of people praying for you. So we talk the importance of that. Uh, we talk about the importance of then mobilizing your prayer team. Lots of times people establish them and then they're like, yeah. never communicate with them. It's like, right. hey, we need to know how we're, how we're praying. Uh, so we talk about that a lot and the importance of that. And I think the final thing is we talk about, um, and again, some we talked about a little bit ahead of time, but developing that prayer culture as a church. Mm -hmm. And so how are you developing uh, really your team? Because even as church plan, one of the things we're talking to church planners about is like, when you go to plan a church, we want you to think of yourselves, you're not the only church planner. You're really developing like a team of church planners, right? Think of your launch team or missional core, however, whatever word you use, say, hey, this is is the church planning team. Mm -hmm. And so in that... um, we want everybody, I mean, like Jesus said, I want you, um, you're, uh, I want to make you fishers of men, right? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Right. Um, so kind of that. So it's about helping people follow Jesus so that they yeah. can really see people reached with the gospel. So, uh, part of following is me is like, all right, learning, teaching people how to pray. Yeah. And when I've seen church plants, um, my buddy who I mentioned who taught me to pray in college, he's also a church planter, mm. uh, John. And I think he's probably the best I've seen. He's pl- and he's like a serial church planter. I think he's done it nine or 10 times where wow. he's actually moved and started wow. another one. And I would say how he does it is through prayer mm. and teaching people how to pray. Wow. Um, so that's what he's been gold at. Um, and, you know, we're trying to train church planters in that. It's like, all right, how do you develop that culture? You know, you're teaching people to pray. You're praying with them. Um, so th- things like that, I think, is part of developing a culture. We encourage even as part of the culture, you're like developing, um, you know, you're praying, you're praying prayers that are visionary. You're praying prayers yeah. that are targeted. You're praying prayers that are expectant, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, you're not it, things that are prayers that are outward. I mean, you're not just praying for your right. We you know as you bring your team together, you're not just praying for uh, Aunt Lily's big toe. That's yeah. her. <laughs> you know, you got to have outward prayers right. that are on mission. So I think that's important. And as you're bringing teams together, you know, as you're developing like a team as a church planning team, um, you know, people get that as you're. It's it's contagious as you're developing a culture because lots of times, all right, you're praying and then you're praying for people you're developing a relationship with, and stories are being formed that you're praying for. And if you don't have stories, um, you just kind of realize, man, I need to not get my act together, but it's like I need I better step it up mm, type thing. Yeah. And so I think prayer and evangelism are really tied in together there. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I find one difficult dynamic was something you mentioned that I find in a lot of churches and plants. You said you're making a team. Mm-hmm. It's easy to kind of relegate because you, you want to do the whole, like there are different parts and differently gifted people. So one is a gifted prayer warrior probably in your team. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you make sure that, especially like leadership are saying, we are committed to this thing? Because... You know, there are some prayer is something everybody should be doing, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like evangelism, you know, discipleship is kind of a whole package thing. Um, And certainly there's going to be a pace setter who is gifted in that, who's really leading the charge for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found in churches where leaders don't get involved in prayer, generally it's there's no prayer culture DNA DNA built. Mm -hmm. Um, I even had one guy recently who's um, part of a church and initially it was like, oh, this is the prayer guy. He's like, wait, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> we 
should be the prayer guys. We're the eldership team. We should all be prayer guys. And so do you have any ideas about like, okay, how do I keep it from happening where it's like, we just relegate to this person, um, who is the prayer person. Um, but like make sure that it's a cultural DNA thing where we're all part of this, um, fighting an intercession together, you know, spiritual warfare, seeking the Lord's face. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do you have any ideas about that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great, I mean, that's a great, I a hundred percent agree with that. And so sometimes it's like, and I mean, lots of times, I don't want to say there's too much pressure on a pastor by any means, but sometimes it's like, if the church is going to be a worshiping church, you have to be the lead worshiper. Like mm-hmm. we talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if your church is going to be sharing the gospel, then you have to almost be like, all right, the lead evangelist a little bit. <laughs> if your church is going to be praying church, you got to right. be leading prayer. Yeah. But obviously you can't maybe lead all those things. Sure. Uh, but you do have a voice in all those things, right? So, I mean, if you're preaching, I think it's important to tell stories of what prayer looks like. Um, if you're leading meetings, I mean, you're leading those like the prayerful posture or even, you know, spending time praying, you know, with the meeting. So it's, I think it's consistently coming out. I think also all those things, whether it be evangelism or prayer or worship strategies, also need like systems behind them. And so it may not be you running the system. So maybe you are developing, you need to develop teams yeah. that are doing those things, but also I think you need to be the voice. So if that makes sense. So it's kind of a sure. both, both and. But so hopefully you're raising up, you know, teams of people that are helping drive that, but you're not delegating completely where you're like, all right, I'm not, you know, I'm yeah. out of the picture because right. it's going to, yeah. Yeah, there is kind of with church planting in particular, there's that hard line between like, <clears throat> this is kind of apostolic work, mm-hmm. you know, you're uh, hopefully <laughs> if church planting isn't kind of apostolic, then you're just hoping to shepherd yeah. some people, people yeah. who are already saved and they had a church and now they like yours better mm-hmm. or something, you know, mm-hmm. but if it, if it is apostolic, <clears throat> then there's this expectation that the first guy on the ground is going to be, he's got a, some kind of responsibility to kind of, lead in this, lead in this, lead in this, and at least point everybody in all the right directions, mm-hmm. you know? And that may not be his primary gifting, but he's got to do something about it, you know? Yeah. He's got to prioritize it and emphasize it. As much as it's important to the Lord, it's got to be important to him. Mm-hmm. And and that, But there's such a fine line there because you can't be everything. Yeah. You're, you're not just a, a body unto yourself, you know? Like... There has to be this expectation for the planter that whoever the Lord brings to be a part of this body is necessary to the body. Mm-hmm. There's some part mm-hmm. of the body that is not here yet. And mm-hmm. so we're going to kind of do the best we can and rely on the Lord's grace. And whatever is important to the Lord has to be important to us. But somebody's going to come along that the Spirit's going to be gifting in that way, empowering in that way, and they may become the leader. But then you can't just wait and do nothing right, yeah. until that person shows, shows up, up yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, what I appreciate what you're saying. It's like, there's not this pressure on the planter or on the, you know, a pastoral leader. If there's like a senior pastor figure or something yeah. there, it's not that there's all this pressure on him to be everything, to be the best at everything, to lead everything. But maybe it just comes down to if it's important to the Lord, it has to be important to you. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to give some attention, some effort, yeah. some, some, you know what I'm saying? Uh, otherwise, you're just not emphasizing something that is important to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like prayer can get kind of relegated, as you said, to that like, well, 
when that prayer warrior comes along, we'll have a prayer ministry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Not yeah. that anyone would say that, but that can be kind of yeah, what yeah. we're feeling, you know, is yeah. like, I don't, that's, I'm the, I'm the lead teacher mm-hmm. or I'm the lead evangelist. And so those things get a lot of attention and, and emphasis. And then prayer is like, oh, well, yeah, we should pray before we go. We should all be praying, of course. Yeah, of know? course we should all pray. It's this right. like a, some assumed thing. And, and you wait for that person who it's really important to. And it's got to be really important to the leader from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, That's Patrick, right. I'm going to ping it back to you because um, you plant churches. And uh, it seems like for a long time, even from Genesis to where we're at with Open Doors right now, you've wanted to make prayer part of the DNA. And mm-hmm. like Genesis, I saw it a bit, like the, the effort there. And then it at Open Doors, the way that it's like playing out um, is like prayer is a key part of our whole time together. It's like integrated into our whole time. Um, and you like drive that, but you have the buy-in of everybody that we're all doing this. Hmm. How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) How did you do that? Uh, I think, well, it goes to what you said, Chad, which is, uh, you, as the leader in the room, you have to be convinced of your own need for Jesus, your own desire to have this intimate relationship with him. You have to have your own genuine humility and dependence on the Lord and let that be contagious, you know? So I like I appreciate leaders who aren't maybe the most dynamic, strategic, you know, just command the room. But what you do notice about them is that they're here for Jesus. You can feel it, can't you? Yeah. yeah. It's just all over them. I mean, and then you've seen hundreds of church planters come through HCPN, come through your residency over the years. What? Let me throw it to you. What do you notice early on about the difference between the super dynamic command the room guy and the dependent guy and then what their churches look like going forward? That's a great question. Um, and feel free to name names. Yeah, I'm like, that's what I'm like. I got names popping in my head, so I got no. I mean, I am seeing more and more church planters with that posture, which oh, has been I'm great. So encouraged yeah, that it's that. like, hey, this isn't my church. This is Jesus's church. Uh, we want to see him do something again. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, and so with that, there's just a dependency. So even we, one of the phrases we use with. Um, with HCPN is like no swagger allowed, Mm. you know, so there's that walking with a limp uh, mentality. And so when planters, you know, kind of have that limp, it's like they realize that there's like, all right, they they need to have a dependence on God. So even as we're assessing church planters or looking for ones to, hey, who who do we work with with HCPN and trying to develop, it's like, you know, that's what you want. You want, you know, guys that are hungry, uh, that are teachable. Again, going back, they're yeah. they're limping a little bit. They're right. dependent on Jesus. Right. And again, you can you can feel that. Yeah, you, know, you sense that early. It doesn't take you know a genius to kind of get yeah, a sense yeah. of that from it's, a few conversations. Because it's a spiritual thing. It's spiritually mm-hmm. discerned. You yep. just pick it up on people. So what what I feel like, Michael, is if you are genuinely just dependent on the Lord, you're convinced of your need. Mm-hmm. Then when you go. This is something that started for me several years ago where I would be about to teach and the Lord would give me this moment. Every time we'd be like in the last song before I'm going to step up before people and teach them the Bible, I would have a crisis, an absolute crisis where I'm like, I, 
I can't do this. What am I trying to do? You know? <laughs> it's the weight. You feel the weight yeah, of it. Yeah, you feel the weight yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. It's like like all of a sudden the weight of what we're actually wanting to happen here is God himself is going to teach all of us something about himself. Mm-hmm. And that I can't do that. So I have to be sitting there going, oh, God, please make use of me. I know I don't have my own power to do this. I need your power. And if that same feeling of dependence and humility, that's just, it's just realistic. Yeah. It's just a real, it's just a realistic view of yourself and of God and the need uh, and what we're really hoping for. If that infuses everything, not just stepping up to teach, but when we're, when we're talking about evangelism, mm-hmm. when we're talking about our physical needs, when we're talking about reaching our community, loving one another, being unified, all these... And no matter what the topic is, if everybody looks at that goal, this thing that we know God loves and God wants to do, and we go, we can't do that, then everybody just has to go, okay, Lord, please do this. You know, boom, you're praying. Yeah. You know, and that's just, you're on this constant, you're just living there in that place of like the the things that we really love and want are just too big for us mm-hmm. you know right. we just we just want to be we've got to be standing with Jesus and go Jesus can you do this please we want to be here for it you know to me that's just what prayer is it's just constantly just looking at God going oh you got to do it mm. you know right <laughs> loving what he loves yeah. And, yeah and asking him to do it and just let you be there for it right that's good yeah well, so Chad, we've talked a bit about prayer, fasting, you know, that's part of what you do with the um, February push and everything. Why fasting? It's like, how bad do you want it? Oh, you know what I mean, so fasting, that's good. fasting yeah. for me is like, all right, how bad do I really want something? Mm. Um, so that's, that's part of it. Um, I mean, I realize that's not all of fasting, but that's, that's a big part of it for me. So when we talk about adding that element to the wake in Houston's like, all right, how bad do we really want to see God move in our city? Like, mm. am I willing to miss a few meals for it yeah. Um, yeah. type thing? So I think, so when I think about fasting, whether it be I'm fasting for during the awake in Houston season um, or fasting for another thing going on in the ministry, our family, that's for me, it goes back to dependence, like another level of, of yeah. dependence. And when you feel those hunger pangs, it's like, all right, how bad do I want it? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. I love that. So when you guys do, when you guys have this fasting, do you, do you actually enact kind of a plan? You have a plan for churches to follow and what does that look like? No, it's different. So we'll put some fasting resources on our website that are there. Like, you know, whether you fasted before, it's a first time, what is fasting, you know, things like that. And then it's like, that's, you know, we kind of treat it. It's it's between you and the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, we haven't done like maybe we we said, encourage people to fast during this. You determine how, Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, which probably should, you know, involve some sort of skipping a meal. You know, I don't, you know, not going to say don't eat for the next 30 days. I'm not (laughs) going to say that, but you know, what does that look like for you? Um, So that's where we've kind of left it up for whoever's following along. Hey, encourage you to maybe add this element on to as you pray along with us. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know how bad they really wanted it because how skinny are they? at (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to fatten up through Christmas and January. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It'll look like I've done something. There you go. Strategy. That's great. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Fasting. How bad do I want it? Oh, I like that. That's so convicting. Thank you, Chad. I, I, man, 
Sometimes I don't want it that bad. Lord help me. No, I'm, I hear you. I hear you. I, I like that chocolate chip cookie better than I want yeah. Yeah. revival in our city. Oh. And I've made that decision for the chocolate chip cookie before. So, yeah. That's, I love that because it's very simple. We did an episode on fasting. And we talked about multiple reasons and that was kind of part of it. But I love that simple. Just like ask yourself that question. Yeah. How bad do I want it? Right. How important are these lost people in my life mm-hmm. to me or the revival in the city or yeah. the things God wants to do yeah. and they're on his heart? How important are they to me? Yeah. And, yeah. and the intimacy part of it. Uh, and I can't remember if you said this before or after we started recording, but the, the difference between the intimacy or the what was it you said? Impact or impact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that too is part of it. It's mm-hmm. fasting for intimacy, not mm-hmm. just fasting for impact. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like as if fasting kind of twists God's arm mm-hmm. to do something, you know, he's like, oh, okay, okay, if you want it that bad. But more like fasting also creates intimacy, mm-hmm. which is super valuable, more, more valuable, you'd have to argue, more valuable than what is God going to do for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's that angle too. And I, man, I just appreciate you saying that and you leading out in that. And the Lord's put you in a unique position with HCPN. I know, I know the network's not just you, but you, he's, he's put you in a place of leadership there and he's just impressed this on you in a way that honestly, it feels like fasting and prayer, um, those can be clunky, mm-hmm. awkward ministries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's... We don't always know kind of like, what are we going to ask for? Is God going to do it? You can't guarantee the mm-hmm. results, you know? So pressing people for it, inspiring mm-hmm. people, it's, it can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Do you find it, how have you found the kind of risk reward element of pressing real hard on prayer and in fasting and like the difficulty of it and clunkiness of it with getting things going and it doesn't always feel so supernatural, special, whatever. But talk about the risk reward of just engaging on it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, because this will be our eighth year Mm. and and it feels like, you know, clunky is a good word. Like we've continued to do it. It's like, you know, we ask ourselves every year, it was like, was that worth it? Because it's a lot, you know, it's all right, you're, yeah. you're recruiting people to do devotionals, it's organization, it's taking time, things like that. And um, I, th- I think it is, even though we have maybe haven't seen, it's cool hearing stories, Michael, like you shared, like going on at your church, and I'm, hopefully there's more and more of those that are cropping up, which I think there are. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the image I have right now is like a boy, it's been like, um, a boiling pot of water. Mm. So I think, you know, for us, and this may not be with everybody. I mean, I realize there's things happening around the city, around the world that who knows what God's doing in different places. But for Houston, it's been, for me, it's been like, all right, let's start praying. You turn the heat on and you Mm -hmm. see nothing, right? Like you're, well, you're seeing this pot and you, hopefully it's getting warmed up, but you're checking the, did I turn this on or what's going on? And then over time, and that's where I feel like even the last couple of years, even the last 18 months, it feels like, I'm seeing more of these kind of bubbles kind of beginning to, yeah. to pop up a little bit uh, and hearing more and more like, you know, different things that are happening, you know, around the city, different things with churches. And the dream is that all of a sudden uh, we're going to have a boiling pot yeah. right here in Houston where we got these Come circles on. that are, you know, ha- happening um, where things are just popping all, all over the city. Yeah. So that's kind of the dream. So uh, but in that, it still feels like, all right it does feel a little clunky. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, all right, God, that's what we want. That's what we're going to keep praying for. And that's what we're believing you for. Yeah. Um, and so that's why it's almost like, um, 
I think prayer, prayer is what kind of prepares people for revival and awakening. It's like kind of that preparation. It's like, all right, it's not, our, we're not, I'm not bringing revival. You're not bringing revival. It's a, that's a spirit thing, right? It's God doing it. But I think he uses prayer to kind of prepare his people yeah. for something to happen. So yeah. That's kind of how we're looking at it. We're going to we're going to keep doing it. We believe in united prayer as again, as we study, uh, you know, if you study revival movements, awakening movements, you know, down through history, it's like time and time again, it seemed to start with people praying. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. that's our that's our commitment. Um, and a lot of organizations, you know, are committed to prayer. But I feel like it's been a growing thing with HCPN. Obviously, we're about church planting, but we want to see the city impacted. Um, and so that's one of we talk, missiologists tend to talk about like five key elements that you need to have to see really a, a city kind of impacted or transformed with the gospel. So you've got the strategic church planting, you've got disciple making, you've got the mercy and, and justice type ministries, you're seeing healthy leaders develop, and then there's prayer. There's united prayer happening. And so we've kind of kind of designed those like in a tree element, uh, kind of a tree picture. And for us, kind of that, that root system is the prayer, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about, you know, uh, it's the foundation by which everything else happens, yeah. but it's also kind of that root system that's hopefully going down in our lives, going back to the vitality, yeah. the intimacy with God, things like that, yeah. that we want to see happen. So, right. you know, we're still after, you know, we're still, we're still going to do it and yeah. believe I'd love to see something you know, happen in our lifetime in Houston yeah. that we're going to be up in heaven talking about, yeah. you know, hanging out on a wall somewhere like, <laughs> man, wasn't that cool what God did through yeah. the church praying? And I, and again, I think there's things happening that we're probably not even aware of, For sure, um, right. but you know, we're designed for more too. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. It's, I, I think there's, now I mentioned it a little bit earlier, just briefly, but things being important to the Lord and therefore important to us. Mm -hmm. I think that that really helps with things like prayer ministry, like what, what HCPN is doing. When you turn the heat on, you're praying, you know, and there's no visible evidence mm -hmm. that this is heating up. You know, it's def it's not boiling it, which God, you know, he can make something boil without Wait, us doing yeah, anything, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's important to the Lord that we turn the heat on mm -hmm. right. and keep it on, mm -hmm. you know. And that, pot's, that pot of water is never going to boil if you keep turning it off, on, off, on, off, on. You know, that doesn't boil water. But just a lot of heat on for a long time boils the pot. Come on. And that just matters to the Lord. You just, you just read the scriptures and all the time that the Lord did something when people prayed. And he could yeah. have done it before. And he didn't have to do it when they prayed. But when <laughs> right. they prayed, he did it. And that just means that matters to him. Mm -hmm. That's why we do it, because he yeah. loves this, you know? It's not like pray because you need something and God can do it. And so to get the thing done, pray, you know? It's like yeah. pray because God wants mm -hmm. this. He loves this he loves interaction. Yeah. He loves to respond. That just matters to He's that kind of God. Yeah. And that's why we do it, you know, which gets to the intimacy yeah. part. Is you're, just, mm -hmm. you're just doing... You're doing relationship with God as he loves it. Mm -hmm. Well, good. I, I'll encourage you. You already said something where the impact is happening. As you said there's pastors. You're seeing more and more pastors who are, um, are passionate about not my church, but this is, this is all of us doing this together. Mm -hmm. That's the impact of prayer. Mm. Um, we've had multiple uh, church planners, pastors, worship leaders on this podcast. And one thing they're all saying in unison, 
that I'm hearing is the secret place is essential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And God loves that. Jesus says it on the Sermon on the Mount, right? Don't do all this stuff just, you know, before men. You got to start with just me. And so it's like, as a leader, if you're even if you're planting a church, part of the DNA that you're planting is not just, oh, we just pray when we're together. But if you're meeting with God in a secret place when no one else sees, Mm -hmm. well, and doing all this stuff, you're evangelizing, you're reading your Bible and studying, doing everything that makes a Christian life vital without being seen. Mm -hmm. um, That's going to make all the difference. And that's going to keep the church you're you're planting from becoming legalistic about everyone must be at the prayer, every single prayer meeting um, or they're not holy or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but at the same time, Hey, it's important that we come to the prayer meeting and we have one Mm -hmm. and it's important that we fast because it's important to God. Mm -hmm. But it's when people are like, uh, it's important to me first when I meet with God without being seen. Uh, And it's the hardest thing for us as humans to do that because, you know, (laughs) we're selfish. (laughs) I love that you're seeing it other places too, that that's what you're hearing from other people. And that's like, it's almost kind of reaffirms the boiling pot that it's like, um, it's happening different places. So it's like one group, one church, one organization can't take credit for anything. You know, so it's happening in different places. That's great to, I'm excited to hear that. It's good. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome. Um, so one more thing we just kind of like to ask people as a fun end question. Uh, so everyone who's listening can judge you, um, (laughs) (laughs) outside of biblical authors, um, who are your favorite authors on prayer and fasting? Prayer and fasting favorite. I mean, I loved Paul Miller's Praying Life book. Yeah. Um, I love that one. Um, so that was really good. I have not read uh, Praying Church yet, but I've heard good things about it um, that came out, I think, within the last year. Um, so that was good. Um, some I remember having to read for a class I took on spiritual awakenings and kind of related to prayer. There's an author, I forget his first name. It's like, it's an older name, like a, a role or something like that, but it's Holtz, H-U-L-L-S-E. Mm. And then and the name of the book is Give Him No Rest. So I love that, you know, that picture when you think about prayer too. So he talks about the what the, the role of prayer and spiritual awakening. Uh, there's another older author, Edwin Orr, that has uh, the way prayer connects to spiritual awakening. Hmm. Uh, is another good author. has got a book. Um, more recently, Dave Clayton's got an easy-to-read book. Um, what's it called? It's a small yellow one, uh, but it's one we've recommended before in this kind of Awaken Houston season. So he's hmm. a pastor in Nashville. They do something called Awaken Nashville, and they've got they've got hundreds of church praying, uh, hundreds of churches praying there. Wow. Um, so he wrote a book to go along with it. Um, but the title is escaping, but Dave Clayton, this is his name. Dave yeah. Clayton, yellow, yellow, <laughs> go find it. Sorry, Dave, if you're the listening, yellow album. I, called. Uh, I think it's got revival in the title revival now, or I don't know. Love That's it. Good. Yeah. So Great. A few resources I found helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, just as a quick uh, summary recap, um, Chad is with Houston Church Planning Network. They are doing a month of fasting and prayer in February. You are welcome to join. We want all of Houston and everywhere else to pray for what mm-hmm. God wants to do here. Um, so just get involved. The link is down in the description so you can check it out and see how you can get involved and be praying and fasting with us during the month of February. And um and uh, other thing, it's important to your church DNA. If you're a church planner or you're mm-hmm. involved in a church startup, even if you're involved in a bigger church, like 
being passionate about building a culture around seeking the face of the Lord, asking him what he wants to do, interceding with expectancy, um, that, that needs to be part of your DNA. And you can be the one who is saying, hey, we need this. Let's do this. Um, be, be that voice and be that person who's just excited about it. So um, thanks for coming on, Chad. Enjoyed it. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks, guys. Man. All right. Thanks, Nima. As a reminder, the Prayer Culture Podcast is a ministry of two or more, which is a crowdfunded ministry. So if you enjoy this content, please check out our website and giving page listed in the description. Also, when you have a second, hit the like and subscribe button.